My name's Amy Whitfield, and I serve here at the Summit as Executive Director of Communications. So um, that I do that at, at our, our central office and, and love that. I started this position in July. Um, I actually started walking with the Lord when I was 18 years old and um, was at a college retreat. So I'm really excited about events like this and seeing this because it has such a special place in my heart. And um, wanna offer encouragement to you all as you interact with people because the reality is I spent my life in the church um, and was around just a number of people that were sharing and explaining the gospel to me in different ways. But it was a conversation with a friend. It wasn't even an altar call or you know anything. It was a conversation with a friend as we were on the way from one event to another that I always say, I feel like the Lord was giving me pieces of a jigsaw puzzle for years and years. And this friend said something that it was like the last piece came into, into place and I could see the whole picture. And the Lord just turned the lights on and I was never the same after that. Um, so you never know what can happen at an event like this. Um, yeah, a, co- a, a college memory. Goodness, I had so many uh, wonderful ones. Um, I honestly just think that that relationships um, with my friends, I went to a small liberal arts college because that was just, uh, just really what I wanted. And um, the deep friendships that I made there, even some that I don't necessarily get to talk to as much anymore, I still have those connections. Um, from time to time, we pick right up where we left off. And uh, it's just a special time in your life. So, That's sweet. That's awesome. All right, Tony, you're up next. Okay. Um, so my name is Tony Diana. I am a pastor here at the Summit Church. Um, I'm the prison ministry pastor. And I'm also um, an elder at the Summit um, Alamance County campus. Uh, God saved me a little over 40 years ago. Um, and I, uh, I grew up in, in a home where um, if you had asked me, I would have told you I was a Christian, but I really had no idea what the gospel was. Um, I, I don't really have any college spring break stories, um, <laughs> but uh, one thing I would in- encourage you guys is not to take for granted what God has given you. Uh, as I walked in today and saw all of uh, you young folks who are here and receiving the encouragement and the teaching and the discipling um, and being in a context in a church in a context where we, we recognize um, our mission to make disciples don't take that for granted because I grew up for 27 years, I didn't know the gospel. And so um, you are here and, and even if some of you are not Christians, as Amy shared, that's an awesome story because the reality is, is that we have an opportunity to speak a word for Christ in every conversation in every engagement. If we're talking to another Christian, um, we have an opportunity to speak a word that will encourage and move them one step closer to Christ. 
If it's somebody who's not a Christian, we have an opportunity to speak a word under the blessing of the Holy Spirit like Amy shared that will be the peace that God uses to open their hearts, to open their eyes, and to see the beauty and the sufficiency of Christ. So we need to recognize that our words, um, again, under the blessing of God and made powerful and effectual by the Holy Spirit, um, God uses our words, right? And there's plenty in the scriptures. Uh, I was speaking with a group of guys yesterday morning, and I was just sharing with them that principle. One of the things that my goal, which I fail terribly in, is that every engagement, I want to be used by God to move them one step closer to Christ. And, and the Bible says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment that it might give grace to those who hear. So, um, yeah, that's my intro. Yeah, that, that was a great intro. I love that. <laughs> Jess, what about you? Hello, my name is Jessica Gravel, and I am at the Chapel Hill campus where, yeah, where I serve as the Women's Discipleship Director there, and it's really fun because my husband Eric is the campus pastor there, and so we get to do ministry together, which is super cool. Um, and my story is a little bit different, well, actually kind of similar to yours, Tony, in that I didn't become a Christian until age 29. And I grew up here in North Carolina, and the Lord took me all the way to New York City through many years of debauchery and rebellion to bring me to himself. And so it's really cool to see that kind of come full circle, and even for me to even be back here in this area as a completely new person, energy person. So, um, and then spring break memory. Um, I feel like this is super lame, but the one that came to mind is that I went on a cruise. It was my very first cruise with my friend's senior year of college. I went to NC State, by the way. Um, and we bought a cheap cruise, and we went, and I had these, like, li luxurious dreams of, like, it being this very, like, fancy cruise, and it wasn't. It cost, like, $300. So I get there, and um, my room was in the basement, and when I pulled back the curtain, it was looking at a cement wall. So, so much for, like, the ocean view and these dreams or whatever. But it was super cool because it was the first time that I got to swim in, like, the turquoise tropical waters. And so that was a sweet memory. But, yeah, that's the one that came to mind. So, yeah, I love that. Okay, well, let's just um, dive right in. So I feel like when we think about this topic of fighting for a lifetime, it's like a lifetime can feel so vague or ambiguous, you know, of like, I have no idea what's going to happen in my lifetime. And a lot of times, like something that I really love to, to tell the girls that I'm walking with is like, a faithful life is made up of faithful days. So if you wake up and you live every day faithfully, then there's no way that you get to the end of your life and you're like, crap, I didn't live a faithful life. You know, if you're waking up and thinking through what does it mean for me to be faithful today. So I would love to hear from you guys, what are some of just like the daily spiritual disciplines that have really just continued to stir your affections for Jesus over the years that you've been walking with him? What is your, what is your day to day with him actually look like? You know, for me, one thing, and I think it's important to remember and to really confess and be honest and humble and say that when we talk about daily spiritual disciplines, you know, I'm sitting up here after years. That does not mean that I have 
never had dry spells or I have never had to kind of get it back. Um, but the one that just does more, I mean, it, this seems really simplistic. It seems like you hit, but just, I can't ever get enough of this story. Like it, it doesn't matter how many times you read it, how many times you um, go through it, read passages, you find something new every single time that the Holy Spirit is using to minister to you right where you are. And so I just can't, you can't get to the bottom of this story. And um, so the idea, you know, that you could read through the Bible once or that you could read certain things and never really have to go back to it or you know it, that's just, it is so life-giving. And one change um, that made such a difference for me was when I stopped reading the scriptures because I thought that's what I needed to do to do something for God and realizing that he was doing something in me every time I went back uh, to him. So I can't say enough about just living in the scriptures over and over and over again. I agree. Uh, absolutely. Um, so as I kind of thought about how much time do we have? Like, Probably uh, not as much as you would like. If we want to ask other questions. So, you know, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking um, Donald Whitney speaks in his book, if you've never read Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, you definitely should read that. Um, but in, his, in his, the introduction, he talks about three ways that God works in our lives. He works through people. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. He works through circumstances. Romans 8, 28, God is causing all things to work together for our good if we love him and we're called according to his purpose. And he works through the spiritual disciplines. And the spiritual disciplines are the, are the personal habits of devotion that God has given us to put us in a path where he meets us, where he blesses us. And so as Amy said, the, the ultimate spiritual discipline, um, the, the provision that God has given us is his word. We need his word. We need to feed on the word of God. And, and feeding on the word of God is a place where um, Donald Whitney brings out in his book, the Puritans used to say that meditating on the word is the handmaiden between reading and prayer. Because as we engage with the word of God um, and meditate on it, not just read it and, you know, kind of get through our allotted time and check the box and say, okay, we're covered, um, but, but actually asking God to meet with us and commune with us and speak to us and have dealings with us, and then through that time in the Word, communing with God, speaking back his Word to him, right? Um, you know, we, we, we often get into our prayer lists, our prayer requests, and we need to. But the ultimate fuel for our hearts and our communion with Christ is his word. So as we read and as we meditate and we speak that word back to God, again, 
The Puritans used to say that God loves to see his own handwriting. He loves to hear his own handwriting. And so it's his word. So as we're meditating and we're speaking it back to God, that fuels our prayers. So I would say, um, <clears throat> without a question, reading the word, studying the word, memorizing the word. Scripture memory is the most important spiritual discipline that I can encourage you in. You should absolutely commit yourself to scripture memory. Um, you should have a plan. You should, you, should, you should work at, you know, Paul told Timothy, he said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. That word discipline in the Greek is the word we get gymnastics from and gymnasium from. The old King James, I believe, says, exercise yourself, right? So we have to discipline ourselves to, to grow in godliness. That means we have to, we have to exert ourselves. We can't just do what we do when, oh, we feel like doing it. We, we ought to delight in it. We ought to desire to do, do it. But even when we don't, we can be honest with God. We can say, Lord, I, I, I'm tired. I'd rather be in bed right now, but I want to meet with you, right? And just being real with God and communing with God and asking him to meet with us, that's huge. So I think when you ask, I think the question was, what are the spiritual disciplines that have kept you um, under, by the grace of God, it's, it's all God's grace, but by the grace of God, as we seek him through the means that he's provided in dependence upon him, and we ask him to bless those means, that's the thing that fuels our worship and our love and our affections, right? And so we need the word of God for the salvation of sinners, and we need the word of God for our own growth and our sanctification, it works in us. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, 2 Timothy 3.16, you know the verses, it works in us. Jesus prayed that in John 17, sanctify them in your truth, your word is truth. Yeah, I can share a little bit of kind of practically just what it looks like for me individually on the ground. Um, I obviously agree with what they're saying about the word and prayer, and um, the thing that popped up in my mind the foremost of where I am right now in this season is just <clears throat> praying in the morning, covering my day in prayer, bringing before the Lord all the things I've, on my heart, all the things that I'm about to walk into, and really just being open-handed and posturing myself of whatever you have for me today, I want to receive that. And there's something powerful about saying that and praying that. And um, I think so many times in life, we can't, well, obviously, we can't control our circumstances, Right. But the one thing that I can do in the morning is go before the Lord and talk to him. If I'm in a relationship with him, think of a relationship that you don't talk to someone. That doesn't exist, right? So communing and talking to God and praying scripture back to him and bringing my request before him. I mean, it's so, uh, it's like soul food, right? And in that same line of thought, something that I've gotten in the habit of doing, I don't do it perfectly, but that I think is really powerful, is praying the bottom half of Psalm 139 that says, 
Search me, O God, know me, test my thoughts, see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And I have seen the Lord be so faithful in that, in his gentleness, of just bringing things to mind that I get to confess, and I get to bring before him. He washes me clean. We reset, kind of like a reset, and the airways are clear, and I'm able to, like, walk forward in freedom and his new mercies of every day. And it actually, like, surprised me when I started making a habit of praying that. I was like, oh, this really works. Like, he's really bringing things to mind to, like, keep my heart tender and soft towards him. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, And then one last thing. This might sound a little wacky, but um, I don't know if any of you have read the book, The Five Love Languages. It's typically a book that marriage counselors recommend that you read when you're getting married about how to, like, receive and give love to your spouse. Um, But I feel like it can still be applied to your relationship with Jesus, meaning, like, what stirs your heart and melts your heart and keeps your heart soft um, towards Jesus. And so, absolutely, the word and prayer and also things outside of the box that maybe aren't spiritual, right? Like, for me, it's walking outside and just enjoying God's creation and praising him as I'm alone, enjoying the beauty of what he's done. Um, maybe that's listening to a sermon or listening to a worship music on repeat. Or for me, sad to say, because I'm a mom with little kids, it's going to a parking lot and sitting in my car by myself in silence, where it's just me and the Lord and letting him lay my heart bare so that I can be um, before him and be in tune with him. And so I think so many times it's so hard to get that quiet. And so those are a few of the things like practically that have just really helped me over the years. So, Yeah, I love that. I love that for all of you, it's like I, I spend time with Jesus. Like I just love continuously spending time with him. And it doesn't mean that I always my alarm clock goes off and I'm like, I'm so excited to get out of bed and be with Jesus. But it's like, no, like you're saying, Tony, like I've disciplined myself to know that the value of this and that when I actually sit down to meet with Jesus, that he's going to speak to me and reveal himself through his word. I love that it's like getting alone in the quiet and just continuously day by day, making that decision every day to be like, I need to talk to him and I need him to speak to me and I need to remember what he's done for me. So I love that. Um, so now I think about kind of, Tony, what you were saying of like, we, we grow through spiritual disciplines. We also grow through relationships with other people that God has given us. And a lot of times we say like, we weren't just saved to have this like walk with the Lord where we do our spiritual disciplines and it's me and God and there's no one else, right? We were saved into a family. We were saved into a, a community of believers to walk alongside. We have brothers and sisters in the faith. And I think, um, Jess, I would love for you to answer this question because I know we've talked a lot about this, but um, I would love to know just how you have fought for deep relationships with people in different seasons of your life, um, specifically in the church, and just like how you have seen God use those relationships to sustain you. Because I know that's looked different for you, like being in college, then being a young pro, and now a young mom, and changing things around. So can you just kind of talk about what it's looked like for you to fight for deep relationships in different seasons? Yeah, I kind of want to preface it by saying I think we should never take for granted the deepness and the intimacy that we can have with one another as fellow believers. The world doesn't have that, right? They kind of only go two layers down, surface level deep. And so I think becoming a Christian later in life at age 29, um, 
there was a huge contrast of the relationships that I'd had, my best friends, compared to what I found in the church and with other believers. There's an intimacy and like a covenant friendship that is only found in Christ. And so um, I just want to encourage you all in that and that what you have in Summit College is super special and um, really rare, I feel like, outside of the world. Um, And so deep relationships have always been super crucial for me all throughout my Christian walk. Um, And over the years, I really am in awe of God's faithfulness in really providing um, those one or two people in every season as a new believer, as a single, as a married, as a young mom, where I am now. Um, But all that to say, these relationships do require intentionality. They require commitment. Um, They require a a willingness and a humility to really invite another person in into the deep parts of your heart, and that takes time, and that takes intentionality, and that can be scary at times, right, to really let someone in, Um, and I'm talking about like a hundred layers deep, not like, how are you, I'm good, great, right, this is like we're going deep, and obviously you're not going to do that with ten people, you're going to do that with like one or two, Um, and it's a fight, you know, once you leave college, at least in my experiences, well, you don't have that built in every Wednesday at this time, or um, I know every Tuesday I'm going to be going to this group. You don't have that when you leave college. Um, And so I think sometimes it's a little bit jarring because we really have to seek that out and be really intentional in that um, and really be bold in your ask. And so what that's looked like for me is when I'm heading into a new season or a new city or a new job, really praying that's like one of my biggest prayers, like, Lord, would you provide just one sister that I can like go deep with and, and fight the faith with? And he has been so faithful in that. And I've invited other people into praying that as well. Um, and then when the Lord opens that door, you, you know, find that person, I think really being bold in your intentions, it might sound awkward, but like, hey, I really want to be in deep friendships with, with you. And I let's commit to this. Let's meet once a week or whatever that looks like, and just really stating um, your needs up front and finding that person who's going to be committed to that. Um, And just a little bit about, like, how they've sustained me throughout my faith. Um, They have sustained me through so much, right? There have been um, moments where these sisters in Christ have literally felt not like the hands and feet of Jesus, yes, but, like, the eyes, the ears, and the mouth of Jesus, like, embodying him to point me back to him and really... Um, just show me his love and his goodness. And I think one of the most important things about um, these deep relationships, I think we talk about this a lot in the church, but like they're able to help you fight the sin that so easily entangles and really walk with you hand in hand when you feel weak or weary or maybe the fog of whatever is going on is overtaking you. They're able to really point you back to Jesus. And you have to let them into the deepest levels of your heart to do that. Um, so these sisters I'm talking about, they can tell when I'm not doing well. So do you guys have people like that? You can't just brush them away. They're like, I'm good. No, they, they're like, no, you're not doing well. I can tell. Um, and there's no faking with them. And Christian counselors use this term of this idea of well-worn paths, like your well-worn path, your go-to when you're not doing well, you're having a hard time, you run to these kind of same things. And Do people know that about you? I've had to invite people into that, which is hard, but then they're able to like really care for me and really point me back to Jesus and sustain me in those moments. And so, yeah, been super crucial. Jess, can you kind of touch on too, just like 
if there's someone who is sitting out here and they're like, I don't even know where to start. Like, I feel like I don't, I don't have someone who knows me that way. And I don't even know if I have someone who I can say like, oh, I want to be in a deep relationship with you or I'm about to graduate and I'm going to a new city or something. Like, how do I even begin looking for those kinds of relationships? Yeah, without sounding too simplistic, pray, obviously. Pray that the Lord would open the door. Pray that the Lord would provide. But more practically, I think the resources, even at this church, like myself, if you're at the Chapel Hill campus or your women's director or one of your pastors at your campus or Katie or Luke, go to them and, and just kind of share where you are. Like, hey, I'm really looking for, I don't even know if community is the right word, but someone that I can really grow deep with. And I feel like we have a pulse enough on people that we can direct you to or kind of foster that. Obviously, you don't want to be in a forced friendship, but like we can kind of help you think through that and connect you. And especially any of you who are moving to a new city or a new job, um, lean into the church and use the resources of people older than you who are here. So maybe you're moving to a job in banking in Charlotte and like connect with one of the pastors. They'll know someone who works in Charlotte who has a daughter who's a Christian or a son. You know what I'm saying? Like, lean into the connections because I have found um, that to be very beneficial for me. Literally, my I would consider one of my closest friends right now is connected through, like, three friends removed on Facebook because they knew that we were moving to North Carolina, and now she's one of my best friends. And so, yeah. Yeah, I love, I love that because I think it's, like, I love that you all are getting... Um, a chance now to learn what it looks like to be a faithful member of a local church. Because it seems like for the rest of your life, where are you going to find relationships that are going to sustain you through the most difficult times? You're going to find them in your local church. And so wherever you go, whether you're staying in here for the next four years or you're graduating and you're going to another city, like find a a local church that preaches the gospel and plug in there because those are going to be the people who who walk with you through some of the most um, difficult times or times when your faith is running dry or things like that. But can I okay. add one more thing? Second. Yeah, yeah, go I ahead. I think too, just I really had to grow in humility of like it might not be the person that you envision is going to be your best friend. It might be someone that you would never even imagine that you have nothing in common with and would be a very unlikely friend. But I. I feel like the Lord really wants us to humble ourselves in that some of the most unexpected and deepest friendships I've had have been with people that I wouldn't have, there was a lineup of like, that's going to be my friend. Like, And so I think just be open and be humble that they might not look like the rock star friend that you've envisioned, but like if God is in it, he's going to really use that person. And we're not the rock star friends either. So like you have to humble yourself in that way. But yeah, just be open. It's good. Okay, so Tony and Amy, um, we've kind of talked about how relationships look different in different seasons of life, and you have to fight for them in um, as you like transition between different seasons of life. But also, we know that that these students aren't going to be college students forever, and right now they're trying to figure out what does it look like for me to be faithful in walking with the Lord as a college student, but. In the future, who knows where they'll end up going. They might be doctors or business owners or fathers or mothers or or whatever it is. Um, And life won't look the same for them. And therefore, like faithfulness in their walk with the Lord won't look the same. And so I would love to hear from you guys just in different seasons of your life, maybe like 
in singleness, in marriage, and having kids, retire, whatever it is, in different seasons of your life, how have you seen like faithfulness to the Lord look different in those seasons? Yeah, what's interesting is I think um, on the surface it has looked different because the challenges may have been different, but the reality is it, it, a lot of it was the same, you know. Um, as a, you know, I, I graduated from college and then I, we, I got married about a year and a half later um, and was, I, I was in the professional world, you know, I was working full time and then we had kids and I was home with our kids and, um, and then went back into the workforce. So I've had kind of, you know, lots of different things. One of the things I noticed reflecting a few years ago was that um, for, uh, we got a lot of, of young women out there. For women, you can tend to in adulthood sort of pit this, you know, moms versus career women, working moms versus full-time moms. And, and one day I was really reflecting on what my life looked like in those two different seasons. And I started realizing they looked more the same than I had given them credit for. You know, uh, when I was, when my kids were young, I was uh, taking them to doctor appointments. I had one of, one of my kids had some some health issues, and so I was on the go doing that all the time. I felt like I was getting very little sleep. I felt like I um, lived in the car all the time. I was going here and there. I was doing some part time work, and people might say I was a full time mom, and I uh, and they'd say I don't know how you do it. Then when I went into uh, back into to working in an office, you know, full time every day, and they're in school, guess what? I'm headed to pick them up. I'm going back to the office. I feel like I'm living in my car all the time. I'm not getting lots of sleep. I'm trying to balance everything and to live faithfully in the midst of that. People would have labeled me as a working mom. Well, the reality is I was working when my kids were at home. I was working every day. When I was in a, an office every day, but I was doing, I was a full-time mom all the time. These categories were not, the reality is life was throwing different things at me and the call to be faithful was the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it just meant that, you know, the challenges looked different. My age was different. My ability to have, you know, the physical energy, you know, at different times was, was different, but getting up and really staking my life on the reality of what God is doing in the world, that part was the same. What I had to lean on was the same. Um, And that realization was really important to me because I kept thinking, surely at some point this is going to get easier. Um, When they get older, it's going to get easier. Not true. When this, you know, if we can just get to this stage, if we can just buy a house, whatever, it's gonna get easier. That's not the case. The only thing that is a constant is what I'm staking my life on, so. So to build off of what Amy said, um, the reality is exactly what she said, that we are, our fundamental identity is in Christ. Our purpose for existence is to glorify God and to enjoy him. Our mission is to make disciple-making disciples, right? Following the Holy Spirit, we exist to create a movement of disciple-making disciples. That's our identity. We're new creations in Christ. Our mission is the same. And the reality is that we live 
to, we live for Christ, right? What Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We live for Christ. And when we think about that, sometimes we think, well, I've got to be in, I gotta be a pastor, I gotta be a missionary. But the reality is, is Ephesians 4, Paul says that pastors and teachers are given to the church to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So you and we as regular everyday people, moms, dads, husbands, wives, you know, whether we work in an office, whether we, I was a welder for 20 years, you know, I was in sales, I was in all the different, um, different working situations, but the mission was still the same. So when we were talking initially about the spiritual disciplines, one of the things that I am emphatic um, about when I, when I referenced talking to a group of guys yesterday morning on discipleship, in that mission statement, we break that into two parts. There's the personal and the missional for that mission statement because we personally have to be growing in communion with Christ, in dependence upon Christ, in conformity to Christ, and out of that growing intimate relationship with Christ, then we accomplish the mission of making disciple, making disciples. And so that's the way it is in life, right? We, whatever our temporary circumstances may be, whatever the work situation, family situation, um, the mission is the same, our identity is the same, and we're seeking to work out, figure out um, how we can accomplish that mission in whatever context we're in. So in those various venues, whether I was welding or, or selling or in technology, in those venues, seeking how can I live for Christ in that, in that context. And I think that's where we have to live. And it's, it's, it's never static, right? Like you were saying, it's dynamic, it changes. And that's why we need to be, you know, we need to be dynamic in our relationship with Christ in our desire, our learning and our growing because we can't impart what we don't possess, right? We can't give away what we don't, what we don't have vitally growing um, in us. And so as we're in that, those various situations, we're praying and we're seeking how can we be effective for Christ? Yeah, that's awesome. I love, I think I'm so encouraged because I'm like, man, it's, Sounds like uh, what you're saying of like it's a lot of the the same in different ways, you know. Like it's a it's still being with Jesus, even though it might look different as a new mom than in the stage of life I'm in right now, you know. Or it's still making disciples, even if you are having a conversation with someone about welding and you start being able to talk to them about the Lord or whatever it is. As it is, if you were. It looks different than if you were a full-time missionary, but your, your mission is the same. Um, and so I love, I love that, that it changes with different, with different seasons of life, but we have to be confident about these things that we know 
are important. Like we know, we know um, who we worship and we know what he's called us to, to do and who he's called us to be. And so I love that. Um, okay, so this next question, I really am excited to ask you guys because honestly, at the end of last semester, I real quick, I've just been sharing um, the gospel with some of these friends I had made throughout the semester. And um, I really like started to love them a lot and started to love spending time with them and um, had gotten to have some, some spiritual conversations. And we would have dinner together once a week. It was super sweet. Um, and then a lot of them, there's still one girl that I get to hang out with a lot, but a lot of them kind of... Uh, just were not super interested and then kind of eventually got, you know, busy with finals and stuff and got a little flaky and um, I haven't really been able to like get up with them. And at the end of last semester, I was honestly kind of in this place where I was like, Lord, I thought that you like wanted to save. I thought that, you know, that like I'm trying to be faithful and I thought that this is something that you would want. I don't understand why you won't save. I don't understand why these girls don't want to hang out with me anymore. Um, And I was kind of just in this place with the Lord of like, can I keep doing this? Like, am I going to keep doing this for years and years and years and years? Like, what if I never see you save? Or I don't know. I just kind of came to this moment where I was like, this life feels a little bit long, you know? And so I would love for each of you guys to just share um, maybe a, a season of suffering that you've had in your life or a trial that you've gone through that has caused you to maybe question whether it would really be worth it to continue walking with the Lord for the remaining years of your life. Um, And I would love to just hear like how during that time, how did you fight? And how did that time change your relationship with the Lord? So there have been numerous seasons of suffering in my life um, over the years since becoming a believer. But I think the one that really sticks out to me of like one of those moments of like, can I keep doing this was actually when Eric and I first got married. And so both of us entered into marriage knowing that both of us were bringing in some pretty big wounds and um, baggage is not the right word, but just bringing a lot of stuff in from our sexual past before we were Christians, before we knew each other. And we had been in premarital counseling to talk through that and I feel like we had really pressed into it and had really healing conversations. And so I just assumed that, like, it was good. I'm forgiven. We're both free. We're moving forward in marriage. And in God's kindness, which is crazy to say this, um, things started unearthing themselves about six months into marriage as newlyweds. And especially around me with my sexual past. And um, It just, like, was coming out sideways. It just felt like everywhere there was, like, something just coming out that I was trying to, like, keep in. And so we started going to counseling again, and the Lord was leading me to press into some really, really hard things that I have wanted to forget with um, sexual relationships, with my family, with body image, things like that. And I just couldn't understand why I was very frustrated in that, like, Jesus, I invited you into my life. You saved me, and I thought all this was behind me, so why is all of this surfacing, and why is it causing so much pain for me and my husband? And this is, like, really gross. I hate being exposed like this. I hate, like, having my sin, or not even my sin. It wasn't sin. Like, my wounds laid bare, and I kept thinking, man, it would be so much easier if I had just not become a Christian because I would never have to deal with it, and I could just keep it hidden and be happy and all those things, and... 
Um, I remember in those moments, like, community was super helpful, like, bringing things to light when, like, inviting others into, like, what we are processing. And there was a scripture that I found so much comfort in in John 6, where all of the disciples are walking away from Jesus, and Simon Peter's standing there, and Jesus says, are you going to go too? And he says, Lord, where would I go? You have the words of life. And I feel like the Lord kept bringing me back to that. And Jessica, like, where would you go? Like, you've done it all. You've been it all. You've experienced all these things. Like, and I knew that in my heart of hearts. I had nowhere to go because he is living water. He is life. And so I just feel like um, it taught me so much in that process. It felt like a really long process. And we're not perfect now. But, like, the Lord was like a surgeon, removing like painfully cutting into my heart the deep cancers and removing them so that I can be free so that I can be healed so that he can bring redemption and intimacy to my marriage and so you know in hindsight I can say that but in the moment it was super painful and I really questioned like I don't know if I can do this if this is what the Christian life is like going to the core of my heart and pressing on all the places that I want to keep hidden then I don't know if I can do it but we all know the beauty in that of now I'm walking in freedom, and it wouldn't have happened if the Lord hadn't pressed into those things and allowed them to be unearthed. The most difficult um, trial that I went through, probably about 26 or a little bit more years ago, um, when I first came to North Carolina, I had been, I was really devastated with an experience that I had in a church um, that I had come from. And it sort of, it rocked my world. And it made me question um, not, not necessarily my relationship with God, but what God was doing in my life. Because I thought I knew the path Um, And I I was passionately on this path, and I thought it was God's path for me. Um, And it blew up. Everything blew up. And all of a sudden, um, I was in another part of the country. My world had blown up, and I was tremendously discouraged and I was struggling with bitterness. We, we were going to a church down here. Um, I, so I, I continued doing what I knew I should do because I didn't know what else to do. I mean, I only had two paths. It was either jettison everything um, and walk away from Christ, which I couldn't do, or keep doing what I knew I needed to do um, outwardly, but really struggling inwardly. Um, And uh, it made me, over time it made me realize, to, to empathize a little bit more with Moses when, um, when God came to Moses after he was out in the desert for 40 years, when he was 80 years old, and said to him, I want you to go back to Egypt and deliver my people. 
And it made me realize that Moses was probably saying to himself when he was arguing with God, that Moses was probably saying to himself, I already did that. I already tried that. And that's what I was doing. I, I would sit under the preaching and the preacher would talk about serving Christ. And I'd be sitting in the front row weeping like week after week, probably for a year. Um, and I would say that back to God. I would say to him, I, I already did that. I already tried that. It didn't work. And I was saying it in my heart to the preacher. You, don't, you have no idea. But I, but I realized through those couple of years, whatever that was, uh, amount of time that was, I realized that God was working in me. God was showing me sin that needed to be mortified, needed to be rooted out. God was maturing me in ways that I had no idea I needed to be matured in, I needed to grow up in. God was working, and it was, it was painful. It was probably, it was, not probably, it was the most painful part of my journey. Um, someone had said to me before that ever happened, had talked about, used the phrase, free-falling in sin. And I got to a point where I felt like I was free-falling in sin and crying out to God, God, if you don't catch me, if you don't stop me, I'm going to be crushed on the rocks. But I think the key, so, so I think there were two key things that in reflection, there's more, but two key things I learned from that. Number one, everything the scripture says about our trials is purifying us and, and, and proving our character, right? Demonstrating his commitment to us that he will work out. He'll perfect what he's begun in us. And, it'll, and, and it could be, at times, it will be through fire. But trusting him in that, trusting him, and even getting back to when we don't feel like when we're discouraged, this is the place we need to be. If, if Our emotions will follow, but we need to be principled and say, I don't want to go to church this morning, but I need to go to church because that's God's house. Those are God's people. That's God's word. The spirit of God is moving there. That's where I need to be. And the sicker we are, the more we need to be there because the, the church is a hospital, right? We're all broken sinners, and, and God is in, in, the, in the business of restoring us. He's rescued us in Christ, and he's restoring us. And so I think trusting, trusting God, knowing his purposes, his ways are infinitely higher than our ways, and knowing that his commitment to us, his covenant commitment is that he will work every single circumstance out for our ultimate good, not our temporal comfort, not our temporal pleasure, but our ultimate good, which is conformity to Christ, which comes right after verse 28, that's 29, our conformity to Christ and to bring us to heaven at last.
So I'll, I'll try to be real concise in, uh, in this one, but you know, there, there's more than one time, but the one uh, that you, in describing like that you wanna give up was really just a few years ago. So as I said, I started at the summit on staff in, in July, but my, my work has been in communications, public relations, crisis management for a, a, a while now. And before this, I did it in um, more the parachurch, parachurch ministry uh, world, working for um, Southern Baptist Convention denominational entities. And um, if you guys have any awareness of it, this has not been a great season for the Southern Baptist Convention in public relations or in crisis management. So, um, so in 2018, there was a season where a lot of uh, veils were being pulled off about uh, leaders and and things that had had taken place, things that, that a lot of folks didn't know about, that I didn't know about, um, that was really faith-shaking to step back and see these, these leaders that many of us had looked to and to recognize that things that were happening in their life weren't really reflecting what they were saying. Um, and that was tough for a lot of people, uh, but I sort of found myself in some spots in my job where not only was I hearing it and facing it all the time, but I was actually having to deal with some of the fallout of things that they had done and said. Um, and it was incredibly painful and confusing. And um, I had some times where I sat and thought, I don't even know how to make sense of all this. And I, and I was even beginning to ask, is this even true? Like if they weren't, if they weren't actually walking in this, is this thing even real? And, um, you know, it's funny sitting up here, we didn't talk about our answers at all, um, but the Lord used the exact same verse that, uh, the exact same passage that Jessica said um, that kept showing up in my readings and devotions and things, that story over and over again of all these people leaving and walking away because his teachings were too hard. And Jesus turning to Peter and asking that, are you gonna go away too? And Peter said, where else are, are we gonna go? And that was the, the only thing I could cling to in the moment was to step back and say, I can't worry about what they did or what they hid. Um, I think this story is true and I'm here for him. And... Um, that did not change how hard it was. I still had to wake up every day and do my job. I still had months where I didn't sleep well, um, where I didn't know if another shoe was gonna drop all the time. But at some point you have to take a truth that you cling to, and if the only thing you can do is keep showing up, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's so good. I think about um, that verse that talks about how our trials are light and momentary. And I think about that a lot because I'm like, these things that you all just shared, like going through this season as a newlywed, like all, just like all of the things that, that you guys talked about, they don't feel, they don't seem to feel light or momentary. Like they actually feel really heavy and they feel like they're never gonna end, you know? And so I think about the rest of that verse that's like compared to the glory that is going to be revealed to you. And I hear that and I'm like, if this is light and momentary, then I can't even imagine how weighty and how eternal 
the glory that's going to be revealed to us is. And so listening to you guys, I'm just really, really encouraged um, that I, I, I just feel encouraged. I feel like I know that it is all going to be worth it when I get to look at Jesus face to face and I see the glory revealed to me and I get to be with him forever. And so I am really so thankful that you guys would come and be a part of this panel. And I want you guys to know um, that one of my favorite things about WinCon is that everyone who is up here on panels or is leading a breakout session or um, is speaking or whatever, they're all a part of our local church. And they want to, to be here for you. And so they're not people that just come in and lead a breakout session and then you never see them again. But if you have questions about something that they've said, or if you want more details on a story or whatever it is, like you can email them or you can walk up here and talk to them afterwards. They're available to you. Um, they're a part of your church and they want to be a part of, of your walk with the Lord and you growing and becoming more mature um, in your faith. And so we're about out of time. Um, Tony, would you just pray for these students to end our time? And would you... Um, pray that God would give them endurance, that they would just be able to continue in this fight for the rest of their lives. I would love to. Um, in, before I pray, if I could just say this, when, when Amy um, shared that, thank you for sharing that. Um, don't let that be a discouragement to you, number one. And number two, if there's one word that we would share with you, um, and I would share with you is that see, t- two things. Number one, seek by God's grace. We need to seek by God's grace to be men and women of integrity. Absolutely. And that grows out of our intimacy with Christ. We need to be men and women of integrity. And then number two is... Um, is the, I don't remember what I was going to say, so I'll pray. I'll pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to talk about your amazing grace in our lives. You are a merciful and a gracious, loving Heavenly Father. We thank you for rescuing us, and we thank you for these young people. We thank you for rescuing them early. And we pray, Lord, that you would give them hearts um, that increasingly love you and hunger and thirst for you. Father, that the disposition of their hearts would increasingly be those of the words of the Apostle Peter that though we have not seen him, Christ, yet we love him. And though we do not see him now but believe in him, We greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of our faith the salvation of our souls. Father, bless these young men and women. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and wisdom. May they be men and women of God, men and women who love your word, in whom the word of Christ richly dwells, men and women who would give their hearts and their lives to the mission of glorifying you by proclaiming the gospel in word and in deed. Father, thank you for the Summit Church that would have a heart and the ability to do a conference like this. Use it. Use it for your glory. 
Use it to raise up an army of disciple-making disciples in our DU and around the world. We love you and we give you our thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.